0: Do you want to make a big change but believe you need the perfect plan before you take action? Does your work or
1: salary or title determine your value as a man? And how do we know when
0: it's time to make a big change? Today, my wife Allison and I pick up where we left off in the episode entitled A Bold Way to Start a Relationship. We explore how I went from feeling very confident to very lost, how I spent years dicking around while waiting
1: for the perfect plan, And how I finally pulled my head out of my ass and got back on track.
2: What was the final thing where you were like, all right, that's it. I'm moving to Boulder. Well,
1: meeting you, it was like, okay, what are you waiting for? Like, let's go. Let's just pull the trigger. You've already set up your company in a certain way so that you can work remotely. Um, You've already, you've been preparing for this. You told yourself that you want to go down this road. Here's this really cool gal. What else do you need? Mm-hmm. let's go, let's figure it out. And so within a really short period after of meeting, after meeting mm-hmm. you, I was out in Boulder. Yeah. I packed up my dog and my truck yeah. and a couple of guitars and, and I was out there.
2: And yeah. I remember being really happy and excited and also concerned because you were leaving the life that you'd known. You were leaving comforts that were really crafted as yours back before You were also leaving your men's group and
1: yeah, you reached out to Jason and um, yeah, within a really short period of time of being out there, I joined that men's group with those guys. It was 10, 11, really powerful men. And that was an education and learning how to facilitate and like I, I just learned a lot being with those guys, but then also being challenged to lead in that environment. Mm-hmm. It was a lot different. It was like, oh,
2: wow. Yeah, what was it like from from the well, culture? These guys of were all
1: professional, personal. They therapists. They were all therapists. All therapists. <laughs> yeah, I think they were. They were most of them, if not all of them. Uh, maybe one or two guys were not. Oh, yeah. But they had all really cut their teeth in a, to be professionals in this way. So it was a really high bar, knowing that they knew that they were going to be seen by other guys doing it. This was, it wasn't so wild west anymore. It mm. was really a lot more
2: Bringing the skills.
1: This is how you do it. And this is how you do it at a high level. Cause I think they wanted to show what, show what they had to each other. Mm. But, um, yeah, so I, I got to train in that environment and, mm-hmm. um, I benefited greatly just personally, but then also learning how to lead and, mm-hmm. and be with those men also like, Oh, this is what works. This mm. is what really helps one another in that way. And that was, I mean, that was amazing to be a part of that. Thank you for that again. But that's, that was huge to have that support going through that. And, you know, it obviously opened up a lot of doors for me to meet other people in the community too.
2: Yeah. So from my, you know, again, fast forward again, there was so much growth, so many changes, so much happening. And a lot of it was amazing and great and lively. And, New new and bold and Yeah. yeah, just a lot of, a lot of new growth. And, and you, I thought you were hanging with it beautifully and there came a deeper challenge that started to show up.
1: Yeah. It was, um, essentially, I, you know, I, I see this a lot with other guys too, is like we get so identified by our work. Our work identifies who we are and beyond that it identifies it, it, it ties into our self-worth. And I was in a position where I was working a lot less because I was working remotely. Um, and I was in the, in this transition of basically starting to sell my company and, uh, which sounds great. It sounds like, wow, that's really cool that you'd be able to do it. What a luxury, what a luxury to be able to do that. But what was really going on was like, shit, who am I? Mm-hmm. If I'm not you know, the guy that's running this business or not. I, I just started to really feel uncomfortable with the next phase, whatever that might be.
2: Well, because it wasn't again, it wasn't all premeditated planned out. You didn't have, you had some clarity, but I remember there was tension for you around like,
1: well, I had a hunch that I knew, I knew that I wanted to do something in personal growth. I knew that I wanted to do something um, in that arena. I didn't know if I was going to you know, do something like coaching or if I was going to start some kind of an events business, I didn't, there was all called these business models, but underneath all of that was uncertainty and mm-hmm. doubt, self doubt, mm-hmm. like, shit, well, I don't know if I can create yeah. another business and do well for myself. And, um, who am I to think that I could help people in a certain right. way, especially being in a men's group with all of these really powerful guys and it was like, geez, man, these guys are samurais. Like I can't hang at that. Like who am yeah. I? You know, there was that there just, yeah. I was being reminded of your community, a lot of really powerful people. Yeah. And I was the new kid. I was yeah. just the noob. And this world, it was starting to dawn on me that if I wanted to play in this world, I had a, I had a road, I had a road and a proving ground. And uh, I, I did, I started to severely dick around. Um, like,
2: What do you mean you were dicking around? You were playing it safe?
0: I was waiting. I was doing the thing of like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to wait. And waiting just meant I was waiting for the perfect
1: plan. I I was like, you know, I've got time to wait. I've got a little bit of a cushion here so I can just kind of hang out. But underneath was this thing. It felt like a runway, like I'm going to run out of whatever few dollars I've got and I need to have a plan. I need to have something figured out. And that was, that was uncomfortable feeling in that, like I was in that limbo, that purgatory place of not knowing. And it was like, I'm driving across the desert and I don't, I've I've got a certain amount of gas in the yeah. tank but I don't know how right. if it's going to get Just me across. Just
2: like hoping, yeah. hoping, hoping and hoping hoping. And what I was
1: doing was I wanted something to come along and save me. Mm. I wanted somebody to recognize my talents and figure out what I would right. be great at.
2: Hey, oh, come work know, for us here.
1: Yes, I was waiting like any moment any email was going to come through or whatever mm-hmm. and and there'd been a few of those kind of promises but I noticed that I didn't I wasn't really taking responsibility and driving that for myself. Mm. And so whatever ballsy, bold guy we were talking about before, no. I was now, I'm going to sit here and sit tight and wait and hope that the perfect plan shows up. And this is where it comes back to perfect plan means I won't have to be uncomfortable doing hard work. I won't have to take any risks with my time and energy and money. And I'm not going to have to look bad if I fail or if I'm the noob. I can just, I wanted to make this easy transition and not have to work hard for it.
2: Well, it's interesting because the more you sat in that place, the more it seemed to devolve in your psychology around there's like there's something wrong or there you don't have enough of something or
1: well this was also a phase where I was in Boulder and there was just like everybody saw this this, this is kind of the part of the culture there which is if you've got a problem it's your it's because of your psyche
2: yeah your shadow <laughs> yeah it's like your,
1: oh you can't figure you out what to more do training. professionally oh you can't figure out what you want to do professionally it's a shadow thing <laughs> you need to go do ayahuasca it was like <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I can't, I can't get my feet going underneath me. It's must. it's some kind of a darkness, shadow, psychological, unhealed thing. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the hammer and the nail for that culture that we were in, which uh, is, um, and I started, I believe like something was really wrong with me because I mm. couldn't get any traction. And so was
2: there something really wrong with you?
1: <laughs> I think it's not so much if it was to what degree is there <laughs> right. something yeah. really wrong with me, but I started to realize that there wasn't anything wrong with me. I was just scared mm-hmm. and I was scared to be uncomfortable. I was scared to risk time and energy. I was scared to do something that might make me look like, you know, I didn't want to be a noob again. I didn't mm-hmm. want to fail. And to the, the degree that I was trying to avoid the discomfort of, you know, right. putting in some the sweat, discomfort
2: of discomfort basically. It, it, just, <laughs> it
1: just became more uncomfortable. Mm. And the degree to which I was trying not to lose my time or energy and money, I've been in my wheels, and I wasn't, you know, just the thing I was trying to avoid. I Ended up inviting,
2: right? Yeah, it's yeah. You did invite
1: that. I hope nobody asks me what I'm up to these days because I feel like a failure. It's like, don't ask me, please don't ask me what I'm up to these days because I don't have a good answer. And it's like, there's that feeling of looking, of being humiliated. Totally, There's, there's that whole thing.
2: You were refusing essentially for your call. Right. Anyway, your head was up your ass. <laughs> my head was totally staunchly up your butt.
1: Yeah. My head is totally up my ass and it's, and it's, I felt fragile. I did not feel strong mm-hmm. and I had tons of excuses. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to have it all figured out. And I, I could see anytime a plan would come up, I could see where it would fail. So I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And I got so sick of being in that place. hmm of always being able to find the way that it could fail that I was just like, I'm tired of feeling drained. I'm tired of feeling trapped. I'm just going to do what has me feel energized.
2: Yeah. Even if I think the valve released then, didn't it? Well,
1: yeah, it's like, I can't, even if I can't see how this is going to make me a lot of money or support my future family or any of that kind of stuff, I've just got to do the things that strengthen me no matter what. Right. And that's when
2: I... And I I actually, at the time, I want to also note again, you're saying terms that are hindsight, things that strengthen me, things that help me feel alive. I mean, this is some reference to your book here, but, but at the time it was just like, I just have to follow this crumb trail. Like if there's a crumb that lights me up, I can't think about all the things that like how it's going to rescue me or how it's going to, how I'm going to look or how it'll be in a career path. I just have to do the, just follow this thing
1: a hunch right was enough and I, I i the places where i had been most rewarded like being bold with yeah. you it was a hunch was enough and following the thing that had me feel stronger was enough i didn't need to see how the 10 20 100 steps were going to show up i just needed to see that next one and
2: and that when you talk about strong having you feel stronger that's where when you say a hunch is enough to me, that's when you turn away from that fragility, when you turn away from...
1: Oh, I can't do anything that might make me feel uncomfortable. I can't take any risks. I can't, right. I can't afford I to look bad. I don't know how bad. this is going to look. Tell with that? I just got so tired of it. That, that uh-huh. felt so fragile to me, uh-huh. always having an excuse of why not. And so... Is it this was,
2: around, also around the time that we were talking about starting a family? Yeah.
1: And it, the, the, I would place this well, we can't start a family. I've got to, I've got to nail this down. And I was already coaching, uh-huh. but it wasn't taken off. Like my previous company just, you know, catapulted through the,
2: right. Yeah. And it, it was, did.
1: and so there was a thing like, well, I need more certainty. I need more security. I can't bring a mm-hmm. child into this world. And so there was back to that waiting. And there was a deep knowing that I had, knowing I wanted to be a father, yeah, knowing that I wanted to have a kid with you and waiting around for that. It was yeah. like, oh, and I remember talking to my buddy, Stuart, and he was like, do you, th- He's like, you're going to wish you had more time with it. Once you have your child, you're going to wish you're going to have more time. So mm. the longer you wait, it's mm-hmm. the more of the punishment, right? Yeah. And I remember just like, oh, thanks. Um, that's a sting. Yeah, right
2: it's here. not helping. So this <laughs> whole
1: waiting for the perfect time thing, and, and I, I, it was just around that time of just coming back to, I don't need to have the perfect plan, but I am going to mm-hmm. come back to, I'm going to commit to what strengthens me.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm yes. going to commit to
1: what has me feel stronger.
2: And that was really when you started making more decisions following that crumb trail. You were that's where that's where the podcast started, really, isn't it? You were like, I just want to talk, have more conversations with people, right?
1: Well, I was like, I want to coach these guys, and I started coaching them, and the podcast came out of mm-hmm. working with them, and and it, it it's what happens when I st- when I got out of that waiting period and being in the bleachers, mm-hmm. I just go get in the game. That's when opportunities started to show up. See, that no was opp- really No you, opportunities going to show up while I'm sitting in the bleachers. It's like, you got to go get in the game and go fumble around and look a little stupid yeah. and a little lost at times. But it was like, at least that's where you're, I was meeting people and I was providing some value and yeah. finding what worked Oh, I, I like to do this more. I, I like to do this less. And I could build on that experience and gather data instead of needing to have everything all planned out.
2: And I'm, and I, what I'm really hearing, like you talk about the bleachers analogy, we talk about head up your butt analogy, but really you're getting out of your own way. You're, you're moving beyond and being willing to, to consider anything, something, be, the hunch beyond your fears. Is that right? Yes. Well, yeah. So, from that place of really seeing beyond your fears, you, I think you came up in your book, didn't you? You came up with this really like fancy psychobabble term.
1: It's a very technical term, uh, but it's called post fuck it. <laughs> it's the fuck it moment. What do we mean by the fuck it moment? It's. Uh, What's the G rated version th- of that? I don't think Joseph Campbell calls it this, <laughs> but it's essentially when we go from uh, refusing the call to heeding the call, meaning while I was in that place of hoping and waiting and wanting to be rescued, I was, I was pre fuck it. Uh I was like, ah, you know, something's going to come along. I'm not going to really have to take responsibility for this. Something's going to come along and it's going to take care of this for me. I'm going to hold out for that email or that phone call or that opportunity to come along and Mm -hmm. it's going to rescue me in that way. And then after a while, it's just like, Nobody's coming. Mm. Nobody's coming to save me. Nobody's real, coming to rescue me.
2: Like um write a passage into adulthood too.
1: But it also felt great. Uh-huh. Hmm. And to me, that's the post fuck it. When I'm working with somebody, I realize that you can't really coach somebody w- when they're pre fuck it because they're they think the next <laughs> book or the next podcast or the right. next that's retreat. Do it. Yeah, I just need some more information and that's gonna change yeah, everything for me. Which is a lot different than it's up to me it's up to me to as take some, you
2: are right now
1: yeah it's up to me to roll up my sleeves it's up to me to get this done it's up to me to go figure out who can help me it's not about you have to isolate or do it all yourself but that whole thing of waiting to be rescued mm-hmm. that's the difference and that that's where when I'm gauging somebody when I work with them I'm looking are they pre-fuck it or post-fuck it because they're post-fuck it they'll ask questions they're actually curious mm. instead of well I don't know if I'm going to need to do that because I, I think there might be a better... They've always got they've always got reasons right. why they're not going to do it. They've right. always got reasons to, to...
2: Maybe I need to go do this work over here first.
1: Well, no. It's like maybe, maybe I could try this other thing so I don't have to be uncomfortable. Maybe I could try this other thing so I don't have to take any risks. Maybe I could try this other thing so I don't have anything that makes me look mm. bad, right? Which is a lot different than, all right, cool. What's the thing we're doing this week to knock this out?
2: Well, right. and just real quick, you, you know, you've got these nutted, like unpacked so in a concise way. Like I don't want to do anything to make me look uncomfortable or look bad or what, you know, make me feel uncomfortable, or look bad, those kinds of things. But how does that actually look like given it, give just a quick example, referencing where you've been.
1: Where I was back then. I don't want to be uncomfortable means I don't want to, to get, go to work. I don't have to put <laughs> any work into this and work can mean just. The, the discomfort of asking for help or learning something, you don't know. learning something new or, you know, going into these places where it's anything that's outside of the comfort Clearly zone.
2: Clearly not competent.
1: It was comfortable for me to go on these personal retreats. I'll go do ayahuasca and shit my brains out and vomit (laughs) everywhere, but go learn some new skill that I can translate into a profession. Mm, I'm not so sure that might be kind of weird, right? That I had gotten so out of balance with that stuff. Oh, I'll go sit in a room with a bunch of other dudes and cry and everything. Oh yeah. Like, like that was more comfortable for me. I was used to that kind of environment, but being outside of that was a comfortable, you know, that was stretching outside of my comfort zone.
2: That speaks a little bit. I think that speaks a little bit to where the community that you and I were in in Boulder were at developmentally too.
1: One solution to every problem was to navel gaze. Yeah. And I realized that was not serving me. That was not working for me anymore. And I remember, like I remember I went to a, uh, a Zen retreat, Junpo Roshi I did, t- I think it was like 10 days up in the mountains, a meditation retreat. Yeah. And, uh, I came down the mountain. And then
2: boom, <laughs> we conceived.
1: <laughs> well, I was in a mindset. I just remember being in a mindset set of, yes, I, I was able to, I had some separation between what I really wanted and this fear, waiting, managing thing. It wasn't impulsive. It was, I was in touch with what I really wanted. And, and
2: I, I just have to, I, you can cut this out if you want to, but I just have to say, Before we could see you (laughs) when you first came home, I had I just ate up experiencing you in that place because I was witnessing you in the tension and in the fear and in all these pre fuck it moments (laughs) of mindset and vibe and all of these things and it was okay. I had a lot of compassion for you because I knew that so much was changing for you and so much needed to change. But there was this, relationally speaking, there, I felt like we were, we had, we just sort of like touched home base of the foundation of why I was a hell yes to you, which was, yes, let me experience you in this place. You don't have to have it figured out. You, you're just following your yes. And, and I get to know you here. I don't have to be scared of you here. And that's where I really opened to you that night. <laughs> it
0: was that day. <laughs>
2: that day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just remember being really, really clear that, yeah, I, I want to have a baby and, with you. Mm-hmm. And
2: I don't remember talking about it that well, no, day. No,
1: I didn't talk about it either. But I knew that I had a choice in that matter of how I yeah. chose to be with you in yeah. that act. <laughs> and... uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I, I remember I remember experiencing it at the time too. I remember being like, "Oh, I think we just called somebody in." <laughs> I was
1: I was pretty clear that I got your brain pregnant. So the um <laughs> yes. And, and the rest is then, history. But you know, I, <laughs> God, what happens after retreats is you, you, kind of, you contract back into your old parts. So what it was a week or two later? Or, I don't know. <laughs> so, it yeah, it wasn't later,
2: long. It was a couple, probably a couple You of brought weeks, in the pregnancy and
1: test and showed me that you were pregnant and I, sh- you know, shit my pants again.
2: <laughs> the breathing but, for a day. But,
1: but it, it, within five minutes, I remember I mm-hmm. felt that peace yeah. of that peace of like, oh, finally, I'm, I'm not waiting anymore to do what I really wanted to do in my life. Yeah. Which is different than what happens when we're impulsive, which is like this feels good in the moment, and oh crap, now I've got to clean up my mess. I got to clean up this mess, and so I think that was the difference mm-hmm. of the the discomfort in the moment, like oh no, and then a deep piece of good. I'm on track. This mm-hmm. is what I want to do with my life. I'm tired mm-hmm. of waiting to do what I most want to do in my life.
2: And that really took a ability to check in with yourself and see beyond your fear and also stay with, stay connected with where you were a yes, where you were a no, your hunches. Yeah.
1: Yes. I was really coming back because I was feeling stronger and because I was aligning more with what had me feel stronger, I was letting go of this needing to have everything all figured out and just coming back to that way of creating. I was, I was was a believer. I was like, Oh, I felt alive again. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel trapped. Mm -hmm. And it was like, here we go. I'm back in my creative self. I don't have it all figured out, but we're going to figure it out. Like I had that, we're going to figure it out mindset and I'm going to figure this out. And and I just felt strong. I felt clear. And we had a lot of questions. We had a baby on the way. And of course we made it even easier by deciding to move to Florida. (laughs) Yeah. Which you thought was really a great idea.
2: Oh man, the whole time. It yeah. was so good. Well, you, you, timed, did, you timed the move, the the question of the move really well. I will say that. Well, Truly, I, you timed that well.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was tough. But at the time it seemed crazy t- for me, someone in personal growth, somebody who was a coach and you know, it was like, why leave this mecca of doing that work? But the reality was I was not feeling strong there mm-hmm. in Boulder. Like that wasn't... I was just feeling drained. It wasn't working for me,
2: yeah. and I well, I'm really curious about that because when you first got there, I mean, you, you what were you there for five, six, seven, five years, I don't know It was
1: about five years, yeah.
2: so so from the from the start, like that was like the calling. Boulder right. called you. and then when you got there, there was all this like, oh my gosh, yes, oh my gosh, yes, oh my gosh edgy, but yes, 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 yes. and then it worked just until it did. over the right. And so what was did you outgrow it? I don't think so.
1: I think I got what I needed to get. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that's that was which was
2: what? Like if you could summarize what was it that you needed to get there that you got?
1: I don't know how to put it succinctly. It was just more of a felt sense. I, I had skills to learn, I had friendships to develop, I had opportunities to take. And then it started to become more aware. I became more aware that I wasn't participating in that stuff anymore and I was wandering. I mean, the reality was is that just geographically I struggled. There.
2: Yeah, I hated
1: true. being at altitude and dried out all the time. Anytime we went to sea level.
2: Yeah, I, you did. Your your nervous system would totally yeah. unwind. And I
1: started taking trips by myself just to get mm-hmm. back to sea level and then not coming back. You'd come and like, okay, <laughs> so let's get you back. <laughs>
2: Well, that's, that's an exaggeration. It, but, but you would <laughs>
1: also experience me as a different person. Like we would go to Hawaii, we'd go to Florida. So I'd be like, wow, you're such a different person yeah. in this climate.
2: Yeah. And you're like, so, yeah. so much calmer and so, yeah. unwound. And, and settled. so I was
1: like, well, what do I do? What's it look like for me to really honor that? Like where I feel most alive and where I feel strongest. And
2: well, I actually, I want to pause before that, before we moved to Florida There was a conversation for probably a year, a year and a half around the possibility of moving to California. That's when we were spending months in Hawaii or California trying to see like what would life be like there if we moved there instead. Mm -hmm. And I remember a very distinct piece that came to light that ended up really. And the reason that I want to say it here is because it 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 speaks to who you are and it also speaks to what you carry the flag for, for a lot in a lot of things. And that was, I remember when we were considering California, I remember you turned to me at one point and you said something like, if I go to, if we move to California, my careers will, my career will explode. Like I will, you said something like there's no doubt that, that I can do anything I want with my career here.
1: I don't know if that was that certain.
2: You were pretty, it it was like, things are are going to, yeah, it's going to be really good. It would be really good for your career. But I also remember you tracking a whole other piece, which I think is impressive because, um, you were from, you were coming from a place of like, I have got to get something going. <laughs> I'm not going to, Allison's not going to work. She's going to raise his kid for yeah, the first couple was, of years.
1: Yeah.
2: No, that's down to one income. And so this decision to California, not move to California, even though it would really help your career. Why?
1: Two things. I didn't want to live in a shoebox.
2: Hmm.
1: And n- number two, I, people that I knew, and I knew quite a few people in California, hmm. but their life was work. They were always working. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that either.
2: And I, what I gave you, you the like, like I why loved, not? I gave loved, you the mindset I, that, to be able to see beyond work when when you were coming right on the dime, right on the well, tail you had, of being you like a, I gotta get something going?
1: You had a baby in your belly. It's like, I want to be able to spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. I don't want everything to be about work. Mm-hmm. And um I didn't want to be in a position where I had to work in order for us to just get by.
2: So you were, even back then you were tracking your freedom. You were tracking your peace.
1: Yeah. Where's the aliveness? Where's the, where's this freedom? Where's just I, where, where do I create unnecessary stress for myself? Mm-hmm. And it was like, why would I stack that on? That's how it occurred to me. It was just like, this, this doesn't feel spacious. And it's not like I moved to Florida. I worked my ass off. Yeah. I was, I was seeing 30 clients a week. Like I was crushing it once, once it got going. So that yeah. was a lot Yeah. on top of doing podcasting and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't that I wasn't working, but yeah. it just felt way more spacious that I could, I felt like I still had a life
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that I can enjoy. It wasn't this work or nothing kind of thing. Mm. And that's, I, that was the story I had about, We'd live in a shoebox and it'd just work all the time. It, you know, our our entire lives would be about work. Our social life would be about work, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just I just didn't want that. Mm-hmm. I wanted some separation there.
2: Yeah, you and you had the foresight to to.
1: And who knows? It may not have been that way, but that's how it occurred to that's me. That's how it was
2: occurring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that and is it how just based it was occurring on the relationships I had
1: with people there. That was typically how they yeah. lived their lives. Yeah, and I just didn't want that. Wasn't.
2: Every time you went out there, there was like it. It all the conversations were were about work and getting things going. That's so. why people
1: were living there was for work. Yeah. So
2: you're in Florida. You're seeing 30 clients a week, which is still a lot of work. You were, and this is like I don't want to glaze over the fact that you were you had gotten trained and how to be a good coach and all the things. Yes,
1: there was. Uh, yeah, we we're glossing over a all lot, the, a lot, a lot of yeah. training and a lot of work to yeah. be able to work at that level.
2: Yeah, and 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 your own. Um, knowing live your known and lived experience of doing the work. That's something that is a highlight for me because coaching programs are coaching programs. They may or may not make you a good coach, but the thing that I was aware of for you is that, that you had done your time. You'd done your work.
1: Well, I think that the big thing that shifted was that I went from Steve Chandler calls it the, the room of mirrors. I always love that term, which is where We can't seem to, we're wondering why we're struggling. It's because the only thing we're focusing on is ourselves. Mm. And I think that Boulder by and large represented that to me. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Why aren't things happening? Oh, it must be me. What is it about me? Right. There was a, there was a thread of that going on. Mm -hmm. And what shifted after I got into post fuck it was I need to learn how to help people better. Mm. And I need to learn how to communicate that better. And suddenly it wasn't about me anymore. Mm. And maybe the, the narcissist in me was like, "But we need to keep making it about <laughs> me. But it was also a relief where it was like, just go get good at doing this thing. Go get good at helping people. Yeah. Go get good at helping people move from A to B. Yeah. Go get good at helping people g- overcome this particular challenge or whatever. And that was something I could sink my teeth into. Yeah, And I didn't have to be, I didn't have to heal something in order to do that. I could just go do the work instead of like Chandler says, stare at myself in this room of mirrors and wonder how I look from every possible angle. Right. Yeah, and so I think it goes hand in hand. We do our personal work, and that can get out of balance, and then we can also just be all about the work and lose touch with who we are. Mm-hmm. But I think that that next phase, I, I had some balancing to do to come back and just learn how to be professional mm-hmm. and learn how to to do to to work with others in a way that that really serve. And that's where coaching really helped me the types of coaches and the, and the people I was hiring at that point were helping me develop my people business. People you
2: were hiring for you right. to help you. Yeah. Right.
1: And it really helped me see the value of what I was doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: was, oh, I'm helping people move from A to B and helping yeah. them solve a problem. And, and it was less about who gives a shit like who who, who triplinear is. It was about can I help them or not? Yeah. And if I could help them, then they were going to pay for it. And if not, oh, well, they weren't going to pay for it. So yeah. that brought some real, I liked that tangibility. I liked having that conversation Um, And getting out of that place of who am I? It doesn't really matter who I am. It's like, let's go help these people.
2: The last 10 years for you has been about that, has been about serving the shit out of people.
1: (laughs) I want to thank you for helping me with this. I appreciate you insisting that this would be interesting and helpful to go through this stuff. And so I appreciate you.
2: Um, Yeah to know your life in the time that the 15 years that I have known you to know what you've gone through from at least from where I sit and to see that in the book, when I read the book, you have been able to draw on your experiences and bring perennial truth into the book to bring sort of like like transmissions, it feels like a transmission in some places in your book where you're really delivering the message, like the message that you want to deliver the most, I think is a transmission with that. I felt it in my body when I was reading it. And I, it was like, there's the truth bell. There it is. And to me, I feel really happy and proud to It's, I mean, and a little bit in awe, like, wow, he, I've just watched this dude roll through life and all the trials and tribulations and grow and do all these things. But, and then here's, he's able to make sense of it all and then say something about it, combine it with all the people that he's helped over the years and, and actually say a thing about it.
1: Was the thing that you're talking about, the the part in the book where the guy the doctor stuck his finger in my eye? <laughs>
2: that was not the part I was thinking of. No. I although when I was saying you were able to take all of your experiences, I did have a moment where I was gonna say, even your humor, even your crass, like profane, <laughs> raw, raunchy humor, you even were able to take that and make something out of it.
1: Good. So. I'm glad you appreciate that too. <laughs> of course I do. If these interviews are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that others can discover the show more easily.